0: Turn up your, volume. up your volume because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast, the Sick Podcast. with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute and 27 seconds
1: left in regulation time. Boston four, Montreal three. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into the air back to
0: Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You know I, 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 <laughs> You're in the oh! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins. On lui fait perdre la rondelle une place devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. Et ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le
2: 23
0: troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick.
1: Marinero, the sick podcast on this Wednesday, October 4th. And the sick podcast is brought to you by La a TB. Right over here, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La a TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La a TB, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by... Playground, over 600 machines, poker tournaments and playground casino games, daily promotions and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal playground and brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America driven to be different. I want to let everyone know that tonight's podcast uh, is being pre-recorded. All All right. So you're watching and now. But I pre-recorded it earlier on in the afternoon. Why? Because if we're going 10 p.m. live and in Switzerland, they're six hours ahead, I would be starting the podcast at four o'clock in the morning. And I know that when I reached out to the uh, coach of Cloton H.C., Jerry Fleming, former Montreal Canadian, by the way, and I said the podcast goes live at 10 p.m., which would be 4 a.m. in Switzerland, he said, yeah, I'll be up at that time. And I said, don't be silly. There's no way I'm going to make you do it at 4 o'clock in the morning. I very much appreciate his time. Without further ado, let's bring him in. Former Montreal Canadian and coach of Cloton HC, Jerry Fleming, how are you?
2: Great, Tony. How are you doing? Thanks for having very me on. Very well.
1: Very well. I haven't seen you in a long time because I think the last time I saw you, was back in 1993 94 you got called up to play a couple of games with the Montreal Canadians and back then you were a big 6 foot 5 240 pounds. you're still 65 but you don't look 240 to me No
2: no I lost a few pounds I guess over the years uh but uh, feel good yeah feel great The
1: uh, the weight you lost is the weight that I put on so I guess there was a, <laughs> there was there
2: was a transfer
1: there you know uh this is for me do every show is a joy and a pleasure and a privilege to do what I do. Tonight is especially fun because even though I don't know you that well, uh you are a LaSalle boy, correct? Yes, correct. Like myself. Very and nice. uh and my uncle went to school with you, Herbie.
2: Huh? And, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 a lot of great memories. A lot of great memories going to school back in LaSalle Catholic back in the day.
1: Yeah, and uh, and while Herbie was growing up, he always talked to me about Jerry Fleming. There's this guy I go to school with. He's big, he's strong. He's gonna make the NHL, and you're gonna see him. And wait till people run into Jerry Fleming. And I know back in the day, I talked to some of your friends. There were there was the there was uh there the the Irish group of friends, and there was the Italian group of friends. And uh, and they uh, both both groups told me that you hung out with both groups. You talked with both groups, and you're a very likable guy. And you you hung out with uh, with Kevin and Paulo, and then there was and that, those were some of your guys, I think, right? Oh yeah, for sure, for
2: yeah. Sure, yeah. I hung out with everybody, like you know, the back then everybody kind of hung out with everybody, whether you're French or English, you go back and forth, French, English, Italian, Irish. We all kind of hung out together. We all uh, you know picked on each other a little bit, but uh, had a lot of fun for sure. Uh, you know what? I it hadn't even hit
1: me that you were coach of Cloton. Uh, until uh, Arpin Basu of The Athletic, to be honest, actually wrote a piece. I don't know if you had a chance to see it. It's a terrific piece. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to read it. I'll send it to you if you didn't. And uh, he talked about, you know, some of the connections with you coaching Clotin and some people who are involved in the Montreal Canadiens right now. You have some connections with them. So I said, oh, yeah, because I know you had been around. I, I want to bring up your hockey database, if we can, to show your career as a player, and then we'll show your career as a coach. Let's bring that up. okay, so there you have it uh, yeah, <laughs> look at that that's that's when I that's when I saw you first, right the Verdun yeah. Juniors to the Verdun Junior Canadians couple of years and uh, University of Prince Edward Island and then Frederick Canadians, Charlton, uh, Charlottetown Islanders, Frederick Canadians, Montreal Canadians Fredericton Canadians, Montreal Canadians, Fredericton Canadians uh, and that was your playing career. Uh, we go on to your coaching career if we can. You have been around huh? uh, assistant coach of the Fredericton Canadian. So after you hung up your skates, you were the assistant coach there for the uh, moved on to the Quebec Citadels, which became the Quebec Citadels at the time. If, if memory serves me well, uh, Tallahassee, uh, Florida and uh, Springfield, Oklahoma city. Uh, and then uh, Bakersfield, uh, Berlin polar bears. Uh, my God, you've been, you've been everywhere. Uh, and, um, and of course, you know, at one point uh, I talked about uh, the American Hockey League. Uh, you know, you were you were coaching what uh, the Edmonton Oilers farm team, if I'm not mistaken, in Bakersfield, wow. was it not?
2: Yes, with the Oilers for ten years, it was a good run.
1: Wow! And then uh, Iowa Heartlanders, and now um, and now Cloton. Like what a run! I mean, I I hope you have air miles because uh, you've done a lot of travel, huh?
2: I've been a blessed man, Tony. Uh, just, yeah, it's been great. It's, it's, uh, I've been, uh, like I said, I've been blessed. I've been fortunate to work with a lot of great people, uh, a lot of great players. So, uh, yeah, let's just keep it going. Uh, you, you try to get better, you learn every year, uh, you know, different experiences every year. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blast. At what point did you just say to yourself,
1: I want to coach one day?
2: Somebody asked me that today. I was doing an interview today, and I remember exactly when it was. Uh, I was playing in Montreal, and Jacques de Merce was our coach. And there was one point I just said, yeah, I would love to do this for a living. So he had a great influence on you then in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jacques, Jacques was good. Um, he was good for me. Um, you know, he gave me an opportunity. I, I was there for two years. I didn't play much, but, uh, you know, I learned a lot, definitely.
1: You know, I, I, I want to, uh, before we get into Clotin and your coaching career, I want to start where it all started, of course, in terms of your playing career. When you started off for Verdun, uh, you played with several players, one of which was Claude Mew.
2: Yeah, well, and Carson, well, and yeah, the others. There's a long list of great hockey players. We went to the Mem Cup in 85, uh, I believe it was. Uh, we had a good run, a good season. Uh, we beat Shakutami in the finals that year. Uh, they had a good team, too. They had uh, Stefan Rische was on that team. Um Uh, The Bandit was in Nets, so yeah, they had a good team too. Yeah, but you know,
1: that team uh, in Verdun, that Claude Lemieux was on your team for a couple of years, 83-84, and then 84-85. Well, the year after, 85-86, the Montreal Canadiens win the Stanley Cup with about 10 rookies in their lineup, and Claude Lemieux was one of those. And of course, he was instrumental. He scored so many big goals. I think of the game winner in Game 7 versus Hartford. In the second round, I think in the third round versus the New York Rangers, uh, he scored a goal in game three in overtime at Madison Square Garden to put the Canadians up three games to nothing in that series. Uh, in the uh, in the 86 Cup final, he scored some, uh, some big goals. Um, was it, um, I think he scored one versus the Calgary Flames, which was a big one. Anyway, I, when you were playing with Claude back then, did did you know that Claude Lemieux was going to make the jump to the Montreal Canadiens and be an important player for them?
2: I didn't know that he'd make the jump. Uh, I knew that he was going to be a player someday. He w- he was just so good. Um, you know, he was a leader. Um, he just he just he 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 drove the bus. There's no doubt about it. Like uh, you know, he wanted the team. He wanted that uh, that responsibility. Put guys on his back, and it was just like, follow me, let's go. Uh, he was a beast. His legs. I remember. Uh, seeing him for the first time, he got, got traded from three rivers. Montreal drafted him, I think, in the second round, and he was traded from three rivers to us. And from day one, it was just like, here I am, follow me, let's go, let's uh, let's go in the right direction. And he was a, definitely a leader.
1: At what point, you know, I asked you, at what point did you know you were going to coach? And you said you were playing for the Montreal Canadiens probably 93, 94, 94, 95, Jacques Demers was coaching. And at one point you knew that you wanted to coach one day. Um, At what point did you have a feeling that you were going to get a chance in the National Hockey League? Did you ever have that feeling that, hey, you know what, I'm going to play
2: in this league? Yeah, I remember exactly when it was. Uh, My dad worked at the Montreal Forum as a security guard. He had two jobs. He worked for the city of Montreal and he worked uh, his second job was a security guard. And um, you know, I, I would go visit him during the games, and, and there was one particular game he was standing behind the bench and it was warm up, and they were playing the Flyers, and Craig Berube was skating around in the neutral zone, and I was standing there. I don't know, I might have been. It was, I think, after my first year of university, but I remember the exact same moment, and it was, it was really strange to me. Like we met, and he was coming across the red line, and I was standing behind the bench, and the door was right there where the players come in and out. And we met eye content. And I turned to my dad, I'll never forget, and said, Dad, I'm going to play in the NHL someday. And I, wow. I just, at that point, yeah, yeah, that's strange. But yeah, it was just this weird phenomenon that I had at that point. And I just turned to him and I said, Dad, I'm going to play in the NHL someday. So when I was
1: looking back on your career earlier this afternoon, and noticed that when you were playing for the Fredericton Canadians, Jesse Belanger was on that team. Paul DiPietro was on that team. Ed Ronan was on that team, Gilbert Dion was on that team, and they ended up being a part of that Cup run. And then I noticed that, you know, the year after they won the Cup, that's when you played the five games. Do you ever think back and say that in terms of timing, like you were so close, like you were probably about a good six months to a year off? From probably getting a call up and being part of that Stanley Cup winning team
2: in '93, are you better off not thinking about stuff like that? Yeah, you, know, you know, you you really don't. I have no regrets with anything. Like I was fortunate enough to play with Montreal. Uh, you know, I was there. Uh, you know, as a black ace, but uh, you just you, you don't think about it, Tony. You, you just you you just uh, I'm just thankful that I got the opportunity to play with uh, you know my hometown club, a team that I watched growing up. Uh, You know, uh, to be part of uh, the Montreal Canadiens is a special feeling. Mm. And, uh, you know, regardless of when I was there or whether it was, you know, after they won the Stanley Cup, before they won the Stanley it doesn't matter to me. Uh, You know, it was always a dream to play with Montreal, and I I got to accomplish that.
1: Jerry, uh, George Larac is a regular collaborator on my podcast. He joins me on Thursday nights, and he talks about the job that he had to do. And as much as he was very very good at it, obviously – You know, he talks about how much anxiety that he had the the, the day before a game and he was nervous and he wouldn't eat and he would pace and he would think about it all the time. When you look back on the role that you had, which was a similar role in that of um, bringing more confidence to your teammates and making sure that they were well protected. When you think back now, um, how did you embrace the role or not? Is it something that you were comfortable
2: doing? Is it something you like doing? Or did you go through those anxieties as well? Well, I don't think anybody gets into hockey to be a fighter. It's so funny. I did an interview today, earlier this this afternoon uh, with a guy from Bern, and he asked me the same question. And, you know, it's the same answer. Nobody gets into hockey to become a fighter. And he asked me when was my first fight. And I I remember, like it was yesterday, we were playing junior. It was at the end of the second period. We were playing against uh, Longay at the time. They had a major junior team, and I fought, and I did well. And right after that, I became a fighter. And, uh, you know, I I just, I knew what I had to do. Um, And George is right. The anxiety that you go through, there's no sleeping uh, uh, the day of a game or taking a nap or thinking about what you got to do when you get on the ice. You know what you had to do. And, you know, you're fighting guys. And when you're... Six foot five, uh, 240 pounds, you're not allowed to lose regardless of who you're going against. You're a big guy. You're supposed to win every fight. But, you know, you were fighting tough guys at the time, whether they were 5'10 and uh, 200 pounds. You know, that they were getting paid to do the same thing that you were supposed to do. And uh, the, the added pressure of being a big guy, and I know exactly what George is talking about. Uh, you just, you're, you're, you're not allowed to lose a fight. And if you lose a fight, you know, and everybody's gunning for you. Uh, everybody's coming at they. They want to make a name for themselves. They wanted to go after the big guys. So, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody gets into the game, the fight. Um, but uh, it just evolved, and I knew what I had to do. Uh, as you get closer and closer up the ranks, uh, and the uh, level gets, uh, and the competition gets tighter and tighter, and the talent pool, you know, there's not much difference between a first liner and a fourth liner. Um, you know, you have to do what you have to do. Obviously, my skill set wasn't as good. I, I worked on my skill set. But, uh, yeah, I did what I had to do to be part of that team.
1: It's going back a long time now in 93, 94, 94, 95. But I remember one of your fights of memory serves me well. I, I think on a couple of occasions you fought Rob Ray. I, you know, I, I'm not going to lie to you and be a hypocrite about it. I was a huge fan of fighting in the game back then. I think my stance has changed a little bit. It's something that we're going to talk about. But at one point, I think it was a game in Buffalo and there were two scraps that broke out at the same time. You were involved in one of them. And I remember watching on television, they went to a split screen and they showed both of them. Was that right? Am, am I just. I, uh, Kevin Holler might have been the other
2: guy that was in the fight. Actually, right. Kevin and I were roommates on the road that trip. And uh, I think Kevin was the other fight. Is that right? Eh, My memory serves me right. But yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah, you're, yeah. Right. you're absolutely right. There were two fights going on at the same time. All right. Okay. You know, so um,
1: you're coaching. Uh, the team that David is on, uh, a lot of people right now are watching in Montreal and Montreal Canadiens fans, and and they're really going to follow this young man's career because, of course, he was drafted fifth overall by the Montreal Canadiens. It wasn't a unanimous pick, and Matt Mihichkov was available, and and you know he was a fan favorite because he's an offensive player, and people didn't know that much about Ryanbacker and they're starting to know a little bit more now. Uh, so but before we get to him you have a connection with some members of the Montreal Canadiens coaching staff and player development team. Stefan Robida, you played with him in Fredericton. You were his assistant coach with the Quebec Citadel. I believe you were the assistant coach in Fredericton with Francis Bouillon on the team. And I believe in one of the seasons where you came up that Rob Ramage was still on the Montreal Canadiens when you got called up,
2: I think. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, great connection. Uh, J.F. Wool is my first uh, captain in Tallahassee. Um, you know, the, the the Bucky and I, uh, Kelly Buckberger and I worked together with Edmonton, I think, off and on for maybe seven or eight years. Um, so, yeah, there's a connection to Montreal. Um, there's no doubt about it. So, yeah, a lot of good people. Um, David's in good hands. Like, uh, he's going to be mentored well with those people at the helm. Oh, that's uh, that's awesome. But
1: in, in the meantime, he's in your hands uh, with Cloten, of course. And if I can, I'd like to bring up a conversation that I had with Maxim Lapierre yesterday, who, of course, A, played for you uh, with the Berlin Polar Bears, right. and B, played also in Switzerland for four seasons with Lugano. So he obviously knows the Swiss League very well. And one of the things we talked about on last night's podcast was, what would benefit David Moore? Would it be going to Clotin, which he's at in Switzerland, or had he stayed behind in the American Hockey League uh, and played for the Laval Rocket? Here's, um, here's a little bit of our conversation, myself and Maxim LaPierre yesterday, if I can bring it up for you. Tell me about the homework that you did going into the draft to inquire about Reinbacher, what you heard, what you know about the league, and why you were so excited for this pick.
3: Well, It's simple. First of all, I know pretty much everyone in, the, in Switzerland now because I spent so so much time. It was great quality time and I got ex-teammates that are GM now in this league. I got uh, teammates that are still playing and it's, it's simple. It's, first of all, it's a very good league. I played there. It's very fast, very skilled. Everybody al- always said to me that it was a soft league. It was European hockey and it was just about skills and goals. That's not true. That speed, and there are veterans there. There's guys that played in the NHL. Austin Matthews went there uh, when he was 17. I think he didn't destroy the league. He played good. He was one of the best players. But Patrice Bergeron, we were talking about Patrice Bergeron. He went there uh, during a lockout, and he was a point point a game guy he didn't go there and just have hat-tricks every night you know like yeah so it's a good league that George, being said,
1: Thornton played there too no didn't even play for yeah. davos mythic yeah. patrick
3: kane the, there's a few guys that played there so it's it is a great league max better, like about,
1: better league than the ahl
3: i think so because guys are older and there's there's a few guys like let's say me for example i, I played in the nhl I Had the experience i went there i was a little slower but still a, a good skater. So you bring veterans, you have good young players, you have guys that get drafted. Anyway. All
1: right. And there's there's part of it. And, and then we talked about what benefit we thought there would be in Switzerland and what benefit we thought would be in the American Hockey League. I asked them a question. I'd like to ask you the same question. Swiss League in your opinion, a better league than the American Hockey League?
2: A little bit. And, uh, you know, Max actually brought up a good point. The guys are a little bit older, a little more experienced. And I think with that... Um, just the level of play. There's a lot more poise with the puck here, but the speed and the skill. Uh, you know, I'll put it up against any league. Uh, you know, obviously the NHL is the, the, the cream of the cream, but uh, you know this this is a good league to be in. Uh, pace, uh, the pace of play, the uh, the intensity, and it is a physical league. Uh, you know, obviously the ice is bigger. Um, you know, you don't go to your way to make hits, but uh, when the opportunity allows itself, yeah, it's physical. Guys are big, guys are strong, and uh, the speed and the skill is, is unmatched, I think. Talk to
1: us ab- about the league, right? there's there's it's a what? it's a fifty plus uh, game season. I believe the regular yeah. season and somewhere in the month of March, is that correct? You play two games a week?
2: Yeah. we We played basically, right now, we're playing three games a week. They have a few breaks here they have a break in December. Um, they have a break uh, with the Spangler Cup in December. Um, so there's a few breaks. So they, they've kind of squeezed a little, a lot of the schedule, uh, you know, a lot of schedule in the season. Um, but yeah, it's a good league, Tony. It really is. What um, What
1: are your first impressions
2: of David? What can you tell me? He processes the rush. He, his ability to, to read what's coming at him and, and making the appropriate play based on what's coming at him, uh, whether he's at a... At from a tremendous skater. Um, you know, for a big guy, he moves well. Um, his puck skills are, you know, a lot of people um, you know, don't give him the credit for uh, his offensive ability. He knows when to jump in holes. Uh, like I said, I think his biggest asset is ability to read what's coming at him, uh, where to go with and without the puck. Uh, takes good angles. He can kill a lot of plays going forward. He knows when he's at an advantage or a disadvantage. And he kills a lot of plays going forward. I know when Chicago is really good. They really emphasize a lot of their defensemen in killing plays when they're at an advantage, of getting forward and outnumbering guys. He reads really, really well. Um, he moves the puck well. Um he's got a he's got a great shot. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of things in his game that I really, really like. Obviously, there's things that he needs to improve on. He needs to get a little stronger, a little bit uh, more explosive. But I think that's going to come with time.
1: All right. So what is the uh, what is the is there an off ice program for players like that that need to get on a weight program, need to get on a strength program? Max was saying that if you play two games a week and you play uh fridays and sundays or whatever it is it it does give you a lot of time to work on your body you just talked about playing three games per week because there's different tournaments that are going to kick in um is is there a special program for david that was given by the montreal canadians
2: yeah yeah, we have a we have a strength and conditioning coach here Uh, he's great i mean like uh and the guys get a lot of time we have uh, lists after games when we do play, like you said, uh, as the schedule goes forward here, we'll play two games a week. So it holds for a lot of time, a lot of off ice, and David's going to benefit from that. But, uh, yeah, he's on a he's on a program where we'd like to get him a little more explosive, and, and he's going to work on that.
1: So before I had realized that Jerry Fleming was coaching Clotin, I was saying to myself, I said, I, I I think that Laval would be better for David Reinbacker than Clotin. And one of the reasons why I thought that is because based on what we saw from David in development camp in the summer and based on what we saw from David here in pro camp uh, up until a couple of weeks ago, the biggest adjustment for David, I think, besides having to beef up and get you know stronger, uh, the biggest adjustment, I think, is going to be his ability to be able to do what he does on the North American rink. He would have had that in Laval in the American Hockey League. He doesn't have that in Switzerland. It's probably a stupid question from a guy who never coached the game, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there anything that you can actually kind of do in drills or whatever so that the rink becomes a little bit smaller for him so that he's able to work on that?
2: Well, uh, a lot of what we do, and a lot of teams in Switzerland do it, is uh, you know, trying to eliminate time and space. I think that's the biggest thing, uh, putting uh, you know, defenders under duress um, we do a lot of drills and breakout. I think the escapability from uh, looting that first four checker is really, really important. So I think that's the way it is in the NHL. It's a lot of chip and chase. Uh, you know, there's not much, uh, uh, you know, what do I want to say? You're trying to get pucks in behind defensemen and put pressure on them, cause turnover. Off that. And we do a lot of drills where, you know, we, we put guys under pressure, you know, eliminate time and space and make them, have, make them choose the right decisions with the puck. And I think
0: uh, that's going to
2: serve David well. Um, I think that the ability to elude that first four check and to create separation and move the puck, and he does have those abilities, so without them, we work on that constantly
1: enlighten me if you can and educate me on what your schedule would look like. I think I said to you that the schedule ends somewhere near the month of March, but should uh, how does it work with promotion and relegation? Because I know that's a system that obviously is prevalent in Europe.
2: Yeah, well, um, we finished, I believe it's the March 5th this year is our last game. Um, and after that, the 7-8-9-10 seed Uh, play a relegation a two out of three and then the two teams that come out of that uh, make up the uh, top eight and uh, Best of five um, You know right to the end. So uh, it's going to be important for us like, you know We're not a a top end as far as salary goes. We're a low budget team or uh, we don't we don't have the budget that a lot of teams like Geneva Zurich like, you know, we played Zurich the other night They've got, a, they've got a lot of good ex NHL players, and they pay good money to get these players. So, you know, our goal right now is obviously to make the top six. But uh, I think in realization, to make uh, between seven and ten would would be a realistic goal for us.
1: Fantastic. Uh, based on your conversations with David, um, what has come out of it? What can you tell us? From one LaSalle boy to another, a great, man.
2: fantastic young man. You, you know, what you see is what you get. Um, he's just—he's just a solid human. He comes to work every day. Uh, his teammates love him. He's a good guy to be around. He wants to get better. He wants to improve, and he's there every guy. He's the first guy on the ice. He's the last guy off the ice. So you know, he's—he's—he's he's, he's trending in the right direction for sure. As you look into your crystal ball, and these things
1: are very difficult to predict. I know, um, still a young player. What kind of defenseman will the finish product end up being when he makes his way to the National Hockey League? In your opinion?
2: Um, you know what? I coached uh, Jeff Petrie uh, in Springfield, and he's got a lot of the same attributes. He moves the puck well. He's rangy. He's got a good stick. He defends well. Uh, he moves the puck exceptionally well. the rush. His gap control is good. He's got uh, you know his defensive abilities are solid. That's important. Um, but again, I said, uh, earlier that he's got a tremendous amount of upside offensively. So I think you're going to see an all around right-handed uh, shot defenseman, uh, who lose a puck well and has good mobility. Who will
1: log how many minutes per game? Can he be that horse? Can he be, can he be a horse that in the playoffs plays close to 30 minutes?
2: Yeah. If David's playing, uh, hopefully his first couple of years, he's in that, uh, Anywhere between 20 to 24 minutes a game, but uh, as his career goes, you're going to see him up near the uh, 20s. Uh, you know, maybe half the game. Hopefully, uh, that's that's projections. Um, you know, but again, uh, as far as prognosticating goes, I don't know. But uh, yeah, like I said earlier, got a tremendous amount of upside.
1: At one point, when he was here in development camp in the summer after being drafted by the Canadians, obviously. Uh, there was some talk of uh, of inflammation his knees and uh, Oshgut slaughter. Uh, some, you know, is, is that at all an issue, is uh, a preoccupation whatsoever, or no?
2: Zero, zero. There's no issue there. I'm going to squash that rumor right now. There, there's no issue there with David's knees. He's fine. Wow. Listen, okay. as a kid, as, as a kid, I had Oshgut slaughter, and it's oh, really? uh, yeah. like a yeah i sure do uh, when i played lacrosse it's a uh, disease where basically your muscle in the front of your kneecap your patella starts to come up a little bit and it's painful but david has none of that like i don't know how that started but let's squash that rumor right now
1: so you have the uh you have uh, the medicals and you have the fitness testing and stuff like that and nothing he killed that no, he's fine he's fine fantastic stuff uh Jerry, in terms of your coaching aspirations, life has taken you to Switzerland. Now it's not a bad life, by the way. Based on the people that I, <laughs> based on the people that I talk to, they talk about once again a league that has somewhat in the mid fifty games. You play two and a half games a week on average. You have a lot of you know you got some time off. I hear it's a pretty good life, but um, does Jerry Fleming still want to coach in the National Hockey League? Because I would imagine. Everyone does. Is that is that hope and dreams yeah, still alive? Yeah, 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 for
2: sure, definitely. um You know, wherever this journey takes me, like I said, I'm thankful and I'm here and I've done what I've done. um It's been a great journey, but yeah, I want to coach in the NHL someday for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what do you what do you make of Marty Saint Louis? His hiring like blew everyone away because he didn't have a traditional baggage of coaching experience. I mean, here's a guy who was coaching his son in Panthum or Pee Wee, but he had This very modern mind, very modern thinking, works on a lot of his concepts, is is a a new age kind of coach. He gets an opportunity from Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes, who both know him very, very well. And he's come in like a breath of fresh air, and the players absolutely love him. Were you blown away to see um, Marty St. Louis get that opportunity? And what can you tell us based on his body of work so far? Have you had a chance to analyze it at all?
2: Yeah, I I watch Montreal. I follow the NHL and and good for Marty. I think it's great. Like, you know, he's done a job. He really, really has. And it it has been a rest of fresh air. You know, he he has a different approach. Uh, Maybe uh, he hasn't been jaded. Um, So he comes in with new ideas uh, and a a fresh approach. And guys have have received it well. And, uh, you know, I personally think it's been great. I I really do. Like, uh, there's a lot of guys that have been around a long time. And I, you know, I don't begrudge anybody, anything. And I think Marty's come in and, uh, you know, done a tremendous job with a young team. So uh, good for him. Based on what you hear, you hear that Jerry Fleming is a
1: player's coach. Is that the way you would describe yourself? Is it more than that? Is that not the case? What can you tell me about, uh, your coaching, your coaching methodologies and, 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 and methods?
2: Listen, I have a common sense kind of approach. Um, you know, it's just like, uh, I let the players police themselves. I think that's important. I, I don't have many rules. It's uh, show up on time, pay attention, be focused and be present, be in the moment, be right where you're at right now. Um, I think when guys focus on the process and then they're in the moment, you'll get the most out of them. So it's uh, like I said, it's a common sense kind of approach. It's served me well. Um, you're always evolving. You're always trying to get better. You're always trying to learn new things. I, I've had the greatest opportunity to work with so many great guys in this business and I've learned from so many guys. Um, You know, Tony, it it comes back to to being blessed. I I just feel like I've been blessed and I've been fortunate throughout my career. How does Jerry Fleming want to see his team play the game? How do you play? We play hard. Um, You know, like I said, uh, we're not the biggest budget team over here in Switzerland, but our our guys uh, care about one another. They compete for one another. They play for one another, and that's all you can ask for, um, you know, um, we like to pressure the puck I think a lot of the stuff that we do in practice and a lot of things that uh, you know that we teach we're always above the puck when we don't have it uh, you know we're, we're always trying to generate offense we have that attack mindset um, you know, it's it's just, a, again, it comes back to a common sense kind of approach uh, with the puck. I, I think that we try to teach guys to play without the puck a lot. Like, you know, if you think about it, a good player might have the puck on his stick from anywhere between 50 to a minute and 10 seconds on his stick. So you better be able to play without the puck. And when you have the puck, it better leave you in a better place than when you had it. So that's the approach that will be having.
1: Based on all the information we have today in 2023, fighting and uh, the dangers that come with it, uh cte um we've lost some players at a very young age um they've had a you know some of them have had problems with with uh, drug addiction alcohol addiction um tragically some have actually taken their life and we've lost them at a very young age based on what we know has your opinion um changed on maybe fighting in the game uh do you think there's still a place for it
2: i do think there's a place for it know. really yeah yeah, I, I do. Um, obviously, it's it's gone the way of the dodo here a little bit. Uh, but I, I've seen guys, you know, the, that uh, because of fighting not being as prevalent as it once was back in the uh, 90s, um, get a little more dirty or a little cheaper with their sticks. And, and I think it's just a way of guys policing themselves a little bit. I, I really have a tough time with... If a guy gets a clean body check and then all of a sudden everybody's the gloves are flying, like, listen, hockey's a physical game. You got to keep your head up and you got to protect yourself. You got to be smart out there. And if there's a good physical hit made, like clean shoulder to shoulder and the guy gets rocked, like not everybody has to drop their gloves, put it in your computer and say, yeah, OK, buddy, keep your head up when you're on the ice with me. Like, I'll just put it in the computer bank and you go hunting. Like when the opportunity presents itself, you get him with a good, clean, physical hit and if a fight stems from that, so be it. But not because, uh, you know, a guy gets hit and then everybody's, you know, it was a dirty hit or it's a hit from behind, by all means, like everybody get in there and protect your teammate. But if it's a good physical play on a puck, like the guy shouldn't have to, you know, be aware of who's coming after him because I made a good physical play. So yeah, I think there there's a place for it, but uh, it's not as staged as it once was. That's for sure.
1: Is there a, is there a coach in the National Hockey League that um, you watch with with a lot of interest and admiration more than others?
2: Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of guys that that I you know um, I I try to take a, a page from. I guess um, you know
1: what I'm a big fan of. If I can throw you a name,
2: yeah, go ahead. Rod Brindamore. Yeah, I like Rod. I like Rod. I like Paul. I like Torch in uh, Philly. Um, You know, there's a lot of guys. But I I like Paul. I like Paul Maurice. Uh, I've known Paul. I worked with Paul when I was with Carolina. and I just like his approach. Uh, um, You know, his players respect him. Uh, He understands the game well. Um, So, yeah, I do like Paul. What a run they had, eh? Yeah, that was incredible. That was incredible. Yeah, it was good. It was good to see
1: Best player player in the NHL not named Connor McDavid is?
2: Oh, McCart, I think, for uh, yeah, he's a good player. He's a really good player. I like the way he plays hockey. When you take a look at the game played
1: back in the the 80s, the 90s, and now, uh, we know it's a young league, the National Hockey League. We know it's a fast league. I'm a little bit of an old-fashioned guy. I mean, for me, Gretzky was king, and Lemieux was king, and I don't want to see Ovechkin break. I don't want to see Ovechkin break Gretzky's records. Like that bothers me. And even though he wasn't the best player of all time for me, Guy Lafleur will always be. So I'm one of those uh, traditionalists and old fashioned.
2: For a second, but before the podcast started, I was sitting, I was listening to your intro music and the way you had, and you have Danny Gallivan announcing that goal. And I remember watching. I still get goosebumps when you were playing that. It was just like I had it pictured in my mind. I remember it as a kid watching it, so yeah, I'm on the same page as you when it comes to that nineteen seventy
1: nine Montreal Canadians versus the Boston Bruins at the Montreal Forum. Don Cherry's team too many men on the ice. The Montreal Canadians go on the power play, and I think there's about a minute twenty six left in regulation. It's Lafleur to Le who drops it back to Lafleur and he beats Gilbert. Ties it up, and then they go to overtime, and Yvon Lambert scores the game-winning goal. And I got something for you on Yvonne Lambert. Are you ready? Yeah. He lives a couple of blocks away from my house in
2: Villa Salle. Oh, that's fantastic. He yeah. coached me junior my second year. Uh, Is that yeah. right? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, he's a good man. You know who else lives in LaSalle nowadays, Rajon Re- Houle? Yeah, Rajon. Yeah, I knew that. He lives uh, over there in Riverside, I think, right? Yeah,
1: he lives uh, – well, he lives by the water. It is yeah. by the water yeah and uh, and I actually get together with Réjean and Yvonne every now and then. Uh, we share a mutual friend and we we have a, a bite a beverage together and awesome. those guys they, they still want to talk hockey 24 hours a day. It's unbelievable.
2: yeah uh, listen I uh, uh, Re was a GM when I was in Montreal and I owe a lot to Réjean. he uh, really uh, gave me an opportunity. Um, so, yeah, him, Sarah Savard, but uh, when you're talking to them, please send my regards to both those they're I, individuals.
1: I will, but, you know, the, the fan base, Jerry, and, and I'm so happy to to hear from you and touch base with you. And I'm going to tell you, they're they're really intrigued on this Ryan Backer kid, okay? So I'm hoping that we can have some kind of collaboration here. Maybe we could touch base like once a month or something, if you can give us an update on him. But how regularly or not do you think that you're going to be involved with members of the organization vis-a-vis reinbacker and where he's at and what you're working on and all that stuff
2: yeah i just got a call today from rob Ramage, and he's gonna be here in uh, november we play davos uh, I, I forget who we play we play a friday saturday i know the second game is in davos so i asked him today if he wanted to hop on the bus with us so yeah we'll, we'll be in pretty close contact with uh, with montreal and uh, our gm uh, larry mitchell will be in contact with the uh, the GM in Montreal and, uh, you know, uh, there, there'll be constant flow of communication back and forth on his progress. And where he's so at. so that's amazing. So in ending, once again, now,
1: I, I love to get a little bit of rapid fire here and ask some greatest player of all time is? Uh, Wayne Gretzky. Um, greatest player that you ever played against that you were on the ice against in the National Hockey League?
2: Whew, Mario Lemieux
1: you were on the ice versus mario yeah junior oh in junior hockey How was,
2: yeah, so was a special so, player. so wow. mario
1: mario grew up on jock street in villamard yeah. and uh and uh i have a couple of friends who grew up on herto and they used to play they used to play ball hockey right so they used to play the, the french kids versus the italian kids and 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 the irish would have a team too and stuff like that and my buddy was obviously on the on the team with the italian kids right so i said to his name is danny and i said to him i said danny what were the games like and he goes well after about 20 25 minutes it was like 10 nothing 11 nothing and i said mario marriott scored like nine goals (laughs) i said thank god you were playing him in ball hockey and not in ice hockey (laughs) he was fun he he was yes, fun to watch he
2: really was Yeah. yeah
0: yeah
1: most exciting player ever in your opinion Oh, wow.
2: I'd have to go Connor McDavid.
1: Your your personal favorite player of all time?
2: Oh, Gila Fleur.
1: The, uh, look at this. Hold on a second. I got something for you.
2: <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, I love it. Yeah. He, uh, all-time
1: favorite without a doubt so as i put that away That's my great. buddy my buddy mike moretto who's my neighbor whose yeah. first cousin marco went to school with you i don't know if you know mike or not mike's a little older than marco but mike's my neighbor i mean everyone's my neighbor in LaSalle, right and uh, i turned 50 last year and and mike knows how much i love the flower so you know he bought that uh, that chair for me uh, which was which was signed by Gilafleur and I got another story if I can it just give me one second I'll break away I'll be back.
2: There you go. now you're talking.
1: I just dropped everything. My God, what a disaster! We're gonna keep this in. By the way, it's live.
2: I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh.
1: You know what the best part is? There's partitions behind me. Yeah, and they almost went flying too. All right, so this is a- better than that.
2: Real television.
1: This is the beauty of podcasting. Stuff like this can happen. Now I can choose yeah. to edit it out. I'm gonna keep it. All right, because I think it's funny. I love it. So a year and a half ago, uh, almost two years ago now, it'll be two years at Christmas, I go out and I said, you know what, I was the biggest Gila Fleur fan growing up, and I don't really have anything uh, of Gila Fleur um, merchandise. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy this. Nice. The flower. Yeah, so I go out, and I buy that. And I put it on social media. And Guy Lafleur's agent sees it, and he forwards it to the flower. And then his agent gets a hold of me and says, I just spoke to flower. Get me the jersey. He wants to sign it. Now, Guy's going through cancer at this point, right? Yeah. And he's not doing well. And I'm like, please, no, I don't want him to inconvenience himself and stuff like that. And he says, no, no. He says he wants to do it. So I bring him the jersey, and one week later he calls me and he says, "Come pick it up." I go pick it up, and then as I go pick it up and we meet, he's on the phone and he picks up the phone and he goes, "Flower wants to talk to you." So I said, "Gee, I know what you're going through. I can't believe you took the time to sign the jersey and have to do that." And he said, "Tony, if you're going to take the time to go out and..." Buy my jersey, get my jersey. You deserve to have it, science, the least I can do. That was Guilla Fleur.
2: Awesome. Uh, yeah. I, that's a great story. Yeah, I remember the first time I met him, and, you know, yeah, it's just, he was just, yeah, he's just the flower. He's the best. Uh, yeah, you know, as a child, you'd watch him in so many memories growing up, watching him come down the right wing with that yeah. slap shot and the hair blowing in the wind and just, uh, yeah. It was, it was just You're, great. uh, Your favorite tough guy? Well, Terry O'Reilly. Wow.
0: Now, weren't you a Montreal Canadian? What I
2: loved loved about Terry O'Reilly is he made himself a great hockey player along the way. Like he, you know, became an impact player, but he started off as a tough guy. And I just can only imagine the time and the work that he had to put in to become the player that he became. And uh, I admired.
1: Chris Nyland uh, ended up becoming. A money say, goal scorer. There's another guy that uh, you know yeah. that
2: line of him gaining uh, carbon. What a line that was! Like
1: you know. you're right about that. Chris yeah, Nyland think- ended up scoring a goal on a penalty shot once against Brian Hayward in the Winnipeg Jets, and he fake forehand went backhand, put it up and over him. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh my god, I didn't know he had that in his arsenal, which was 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 pretty funny. But didn't you grow up a Montreal Canadiens fan, right? You talked about Lafleur. Yeah, for sure I did, but so I, how, the,
2: how the hell can you say Terry my, O'Reilly? He's a guy uh, we grew up. to totally hate. I guess for the, the uh, admiration of what he became as a player. Like, uh, yeah, he, he he was great. And, you
1: know, like, Knuckles Knuckles clocked him once. I think he split him open for about twenty-five stitches. A game that was played at the Boston Garden. Uh, I think it was one of the greatest days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jerry, uh, so, so fun to talk to you once again. And, um, and, uh, you've really, you know, you. I talked about Marty St. Louis before and what he's become and, and, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of coaches and to stay in this game, you, you have to evolve right from the eighties to the nineties to two thousands to now, like the game has changed. Some of the mentality has changed. And, uh, you know, you've 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 really evolved into what I think is is a great coach based on what I hear from a lot of players who just absolutely love playing with you uh, or playing for you. I wish you all the best with Claude and Have a great year in Switzerland. And uh, is it a date? Can we touch base maybe once no, a month?
2: Yeah, to find just, out how you're doing? Just reach out to me, Tony, whenever you want. Uh, but yeah, I can't thank you enough for having me on. Uh, I've listened to your show uh, when I was on TSN and now your podcast. Congratulations to you. You've had a great run, and uh, it's nice to see a LaSalle boy uh, on top of the charts here. Good for you. Thank thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And what do you say to some of your buddies back uh, from LaSalle Catholic Comprehensive High School? Who uh, say hi. I give them all a great big paisan kiss. Uh, <laughs> they're the best. They really were. We had a ball growing up. Uh, yeah. Say hi to all of them for me, please.
1: Uh, you were very popular then, Jerry, and you're very popular today. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Have a good one.
2: Yeah. All right. Thanks.
1: There you have it. The head coach yeah. of Cloton H.C., there is Jerry Fleming. We thank him very much for that. Marinaro, uh, a shout out to Big V Live Productions in association with Nick Kediti. They're happy to present the Wise Guys of Comedy Saturday, October 7th at 8 p.m. at Salle des college Collège Marie-Victorin, 7000 Marie-Victorin, Montreal. Mike Marino is bringing the Welcome to the Family World Tour back to Montreal with special guest Angela Majorano Thurston from Toronto. And Montreal's very own Franco Tadeo is the MC. Vincent Soumare, Montreal North Food Truck, will be serving some hot, delicious pizza before the show. And, of course, part of the proceeds will be going towards the SMA Foundation. Come grab a bite and have a few laughs. It'll be a fun-filled evening. Tickets can be purchased online at bigvliveproductions.ca. That's it for me. If there's anything I learned tonight is that uh, I have to have uh, this chair somewhat, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, screwed into the floor or something because or else I gonna end up going flying one day. The chair went flying today. Luckily I did not. That's the beauty of live television. That's the beauty of live podcasting even more than that. All right. Uh, f- for all of you watching on, uh, on YouTube, once again, this was not live, even though Jerry Fleming wanted to do it live. I actually insisted that we do not because 10 p.m. to start the episode and 11 p.m. to end the episode would be 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. And I said, no, 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 you get some sleep. Uh, You work enough as it is, and I don't want you waking up at like 3.45 or 4 o'clock in the morning. So it was recorded earlier on in the day. It was a lot of fun. Uh, For some of you who want, uh, you have a chance to win those tickets, comment SICK, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, and uh, I'm sure the people at Master Control will get a hold of you because we have a couple of tickets to give away. For Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana at Master Control, it's the SICK Podcast. I hope you loved it. I'm Marinero,
0: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the SICK Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, google play and apple podcasts the sick podcast is brought to you by energy transportation group driven to be different la tv embrace your true nature and playground your premier gaming destination